1: pretty much at home the whole time, but against very good teams. And the LA Clippers are the first one of them tonight. They will not have PG, but coming off a game, thank you guys for covering for me the other day after the Phoenix game, are rebounding, man. We've talked so much about the size of the lineups, and we should do this, we should play bigger, and all of that. To me, there's no statistical category where that comes more into play than rebounding. Got our butts kicked on the boards, and I think that that's going to be just a big part of the end of the season, is how the Lakers manage the the rebounding game. But today, we do have, at least he's probable, Cam Reddish is probable on the injury report, D. And I think he adds an element that Lakers haven't had in a little bit uh, since Vando got hurt, which is that guy who that's his job is to guard other other players and other team's best players and it's something that that's his best attribute. cam comes with certainly some other issues with him, but what do you think of his return D because I think that just having a guy that can do that can be very helpful, but it's kind of a, a now or never situation for these Lakers and I think cam's going to be a, a significant character within that and that could go either way, you know
2: yeah, whose minutes is cam going to take? Mm-hmm. I think is the biggest question that I have. I certainly see utility for a shift or two a game or three shifts a game for Cam Reddish. Finding 15 minutes for Cam Reddish shouldn't be the biggest issue in the world. That said, the Lakers are already playing a bunch of guys who are 6'6 or smaller. Mm-hmm. And Cam Reddish, he's wing-sized. He's maybe Torian Prince's size or whatever, but it's just like there's already a bunch of guys competing for minutes that play that spot. Max Christie didn't play a shift in the first half against the Suns and Darwin. um, I didn't hear the full media, but it's my understanding that he did speak about like the foul trouble with AD and the rotation getting a little bit disrupted and that sort of contributing to Max, not getting into the game until later. But that sort of sequence of events means that a wing doesn't play and cam didn't play at all that game then tell me where the minutes come from and if you're going to tell me that they're going to come at the expense of the non-existent minutes that jackson hayes got or max didn't play at all or they're going to cut into Rui's minutes that's a problem to me so I hate to pivot away from Pete's question about hey, what's it's the utility all tied together, of, together. No, it's all tied like, together. Like of Cam Reddish, I think that the team already has nine dudes that could viably play. Cam is ten, and that's without Wood or Vando being available. And so like I'm trying to figure out who the eight guys are that should play every single night. And what their minutes load should be and what that allocation should be before I'm necessarily worried about where can we squeeze in some minutes for for Cam Reddish, even though I do feel like he, his skill set is useful. So, Mike, I'm punting Pete's question right back over to you to field. And are you going to fair catch it? You going to let it bounce out of bounds? Or
3: <laughs> no, I'll field it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to run it back. Although when Pete poses a question like this, I always enjoy it because you and I will fill in it the space for a couple of minutes and then we'll get to the spreadsheet that he definitely has done um, already. (laughs) It is ready is ready to answer his own question. Right. So don't worry. Don't worry, folks and listeners, you will get to this answer in a second. Uh, I went as Pete was asking the question, I had the literal exact same thought as Darius. um, And and so while he was talking and, and then looking at the minutes from the sun's game, and we went over this a little bit earlier this week. So I'll be very brief on it, but you know, Russell and Reeves played 37 and 35 respective minutes. And then um, that just in the starting lineup. So LeBron and AD, I get it when their minutes are up. LeBron was 37, AD was 42. I think those all need to come mm-hmm. down some. Um, and then where, where we really get to, it, and Pete, this was my, I guess, problem, and it's been the problem all year, is that it's the Russell Reeves minutes plus Prince and Dinwiddie where you have Prince 27 and Dinwiddie 23. And that's just, those are four players that I think one of them has to play significantly fewer minutes um, period. And then some of that allocation can go to Cam Reddish fine uh, for a point of attack defense. We'll see if he's moving physically like he was earlier in the season. Some of those minutes need to go to Jackson Hayes. But what I, what I fear is that instead it's, you know, sort of cam on top of mm-hmm. the Prince and Dinwiddie without losing the Russell and Reeves minutes. And that, because that has been the tendency of where the minutes have been allocated um, prior to when it was almost Not I don't want to say forced, but once Rui began to start, then some of that took care of itself, especially because Christian Wood was still in the mm-hmm. rotation. And as as I said, when we got uh, Dinwiddie, this was my concern, not for how he's playing. So Alas, let's now get to what you, uh, what you have no, been thinking No, you guys
1: threw down the alley-oop that I was lobbing up, is that this is sort of the... The the trap that we're in. I, I don't know the phrase to use it, but it's almost this like Shakespearean like basketball gods type of trap where we very much need players that can guard on the perimeter, and so Cam Reddish is the best of our available guys to be able to do that. We also very much need to be able to get a rebound, and we need to play bigger to be able to do that. And Cam doesn't help in that respect a whole lot. But I think it's that's sort of where we're at is that it. There there needs to be a reprioritization. Like, what matters is we're 22nd, I think, in the league in rebounding over the course of the season. We've been better at parts recently and, and not so much, certainly, in that Phoenix game. But by and large, this is not a team that has really a nose for loose balls and guys that where that's their natural instinct. And so the lineup dec- decisions that get made, D, like – have to be accounting for that rather than ignoring that and that's something that as a guy like Cam returns i think that there needs to be sort of a, a re a reimagination of of sort of the approach, especially defensively, because how were we good earlier in the year on the defensive end when we were bad on, on offense? It's a personnel thing for sure, but it was a group that got a lot of stocks, right? Cam had that amazing November where he had a, a ton of steals, steals. He was amongst the, the league leaders. And so there's a disruptiveness that Cam can bring that to me, like it's very obvious that Prince is the guy that if you're asking where the minutes should come from, it's like play D'Lo in Austin, 32 minutes. That's 10 minutes off of the minute load that you were talking about right there. And then, what did Prince play in that Mike? Twenty-seven, and he was a team worst on the, in the plus-minus. Is there's to me, there's been an obvious point, and again, I don't want to scapegoat a guy, but there, there is a pivot point. D of like, what do you want to be as a team? And that's at the three spot this year. And so reintroducing a guy like Cam, you guys took it exactly where I'm concerned, right? And so I think there's a way where Cam could be really helpful. I also think there's a way where he can be playing the three and four, honestly, a lot of times.
2: I think the point that you made, Pete, about the natural inclination of some of the players and what they naturally do on the court and how that is or is not accounted for is super important. And it's something that we don't often discuss when we talk about lineup construction. We often talk about archetype of players, and we've done that a bunch this season because there's been this clear trend towards bigger is better. Like, it doesn't really matter and and i'm i've been guilty of this too like the last time me and mike talked well it's it's broadly speaking right d it's not so it's something that that's broadly true but there's
1: also nuance to that
2: yeah but i'm just saying like the nature of of our discussions not necessarily us but it's just like when we've been handing out the cliff notes versions or even the other day when i was talking to mike like on the pod i was just like yep any combination of these six dudes the plus minus Of the Lakers that are all in the positive, they're almost all a combination of these six dudes in the Mm -hmm. front court, and none of those dudes were the wings. And then the ones that did have a wing in them, like Prince, the shooting guard was almost always Max when you were looking at the positive groups. And so that's a vast generalization and does not account at all for the difference between Rui and Jackson Hayes. Or the difference between Hayes and Christian Wood. All of these guys bring very specific things to the table. And I'm glad that you framed what Cam does well in there as like, hey, this is a reason that Cam can and probably should play. And this is why Prince may not fit, even though he's a good player. There was someone, and I can't remember who, so I apologize. They posted a clip of an offensive rebound during the Suns game where Nurkic had basically bodied AD and AD got his hand on the, like he jumped up to get the rebound. The ball came off and Nurkic was the one that came up with it. Dinwiddie was in the general vicinity and the play highlighted the fact that it's just like, this is where AD needs to be better himself. Right. Because Nurkic sort of bod- sure. bodied him and AD didn't do his work earlier. But it was also like, oh, Dinwiddie needs to sandwich rebound there. But the thing that I watched wasn't the result or any of that. It was what was the first thing the four other players yeah. on the court what did was their instinct when yep. the ball went up? What was their instinct? And Dela was on the court and I can't remember who else was on. The court, D'Lo turned and watched the ball and he drifted towards the painted area, but the ball went off the other side of the rim. So he wasn't involved in the play at all. But no one's first instinct was really like, oh, balls up, track active, find a body to
1: they're watching TV. We call that as coaches. That's it's this natural thing that happens, especially in the high school level. This is, it's funny. We would always have conversations about this in high school practice where the shot would go up and everybody would watch TV, right? Like there's just this natural instinct to just go like, is it going to go in or is it not? And then everybody just kind of freezes for a moment. And that's something that the players that don't have that can really
2: thrive. But if you have a bunch of guys that do that, like you lose all sorts of 50, 50 balls. And so Mike, Like, this is a thing that was standing out to me and stands out to me within the context of lineup construction. And when Pete was talking about certain things have to be accounted for, this is one of the things that it feels like is not accounted for enough when we're talking about who should play and who shouldn't. Let's take a break here. When we come back, uh, let's keep it going.
3: Well, the simplest way to, I think, bring all of that together, this goes to the line of construction with LeBron and AD and what they do on both ends of the floor, which is a lot. And if you're going to have Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell in the backcourt who do a lot of stuff for you, they dribble, they pass, they shoot, they create plays. uh, The skill level that they have together um, can be a big advantage. That leaves one spot. And in that one spot, you need to cover a lot of bases. Uh, and this has been the the conversation around the team throughout the whole season. And just bringing it into the context of Reddish returning, but not just Reddish returning, but Spencer Dinwiddie being a part of the mix who's been getting a decent chunk of minutes. Then there just aren't that many opportunities other than the starting lineup with Rui when he's in there at the three and you're just bigger and some of those things get taken care of. With those second units, if if Jackson Hayes, um, since Christian what is out, isn't prioritized to a certain degree, you're just not going to have enough guys that can do the role player type of things. Um, w- when you have, and I think Pete, you made a point to me that Dinwiddie does a little bit more of those things than you mm-hmm. might think, uh, boxing out, you know, kind of making the right pass, etc. But that group of of Prince and Reeves and Russell uh, and throw Reddish in there to some extent mm-hmm. at least, that's you're you're just lacking there uh, in in those uh, 50-50 balls and the offensive rebounds and the defensive rebounds and the the charges drawn just those types of things that I think LeBron and AD require to such a greater degree which is why Vanderbilt uh, ends up being so key uh, in in all of this just because he's one of the guys who so you throw him out there that's all the stuff that mm-hmm. he's doing and i think that the replacement for him when he was out even in that Boston game was jackson that's right. hayes that's the other player that has that high motor and so he to me when i'm i get all this the conversation around max christie and by the way agreed with it i think max should have played more in that phoenix game but hayes to me is the guy forget if he's playing that well or if he take if he fouls at the wrong time or he goes back to some of his bad habits i just need that level of energy on the floor to lift lebron and ad and austin and d and kind of what goes with it and I feel like such a broken record um, having had to say this all season long. It's
1: been one of the key storylines, and it's not about individual players. It's about the group of five that you put out there, right? And to put it very simply, we haven't had a too big look the last two years. And so every one of our wings, for one, we've had a lot of injuries on the wing in particular, and every one of them has flaws, right? Where in terms of the prototypical three and D wing type of guy, even a guy like Vando, who we love in all these different aspects, especially come playoff time, it becomes complicated to keep him out on the, on the court. That's why I was so excited before he got hurt of look, we're stationed. We're playing out of the post. He's starting at the elbow. I think this, this can work, but guy like Rui, right? He provides a lot on offense, but it isn't as mobile on the perimeter. And so, what are the ways that you can account for that? What are the ways that you can work around that? One of them is to go smaller. I would argue like in an overall sense, you have to be great at something. So one of the things that we've been talking about recently is I will defend the three guard lineup of D'Lo, Austin, and Dinwiddie, right? We'll be bitching in the text thread. Oh, we're too small right now. The Prince is at the four. What's going on? But for that particular group, I'm always like, no, look at, that's a good group. And their plus minus in a very small sample is is good so far, but it's based on the argument that like you got three guys that can handle the ball, that can beat a guy off with the dribble, that can pass. There's a level of skill there that Prince does not have that level of he got a shot block on that play that A.D was frustrated on on that three. He had bull ball switched onto him. And if you have a guard against ball Bol, they can get separation against a guy like him. But Prince couldn't, and he got his shot blocked. And so to me, Prince is is like the pivot point of where you're not good enough at the small guy stuff, and you're not big enough as well. But I will defend those smaller type of groups. But to, ha- to have that sort of motor and sort of that rebounding issue, watching Nurkic and AD battle, that play that you were talking about, maybe it was a different play, but on one of them, Dinwiddie was actually going to box out the crasher, which he's supposed to be doing too. And so, and he, and it was either Royce O'Neill or yeah, I think it was Royce O'Neill on that play who he has a size disadvantage against him too. So you have a one-on-one matchup of AD versus Nurkic where how many pounds does AD give up to Nurkic? 40. And that's a bad dude. That's a guy that's got a great motor. That's not his first 20 rebound game of the season. You have to account for that in the game plan. Right? And but if Dinwiddie has his own problem, if he drops down a sandwich rebound, is that just a free run for O'Neal? And so the way you account for that is lineup construction where you bump everybody down. And that's Hayes. Right. That's and with Wood being out. Right. We don't have much. But in terms of putting groups out there that can get a rebound, we play the Clippers tonight. We play the Clippers tonight. Zoo is huge. Paul George is out. And so that knocks down their size a little bit, but they're a big team too. And so I just want to see us not make the same mistakes over and over. And to me, that ability to get a rebound, it's so, we're raised by by Pat Riley, UNID. And so it's just so, this is so
2: at our core that it's nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. No rebounds, no rings. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a question for you both. And this is sort of, I'm not saying it's a devil's advocate argument, or- You meant I think that's a legitimate question, particularly with the injuries that the team has now. So Vando and Wood are both out and the Lakers are now starting bigger. So the the balance of. Starters and size that you're starting versus the balance of the players who are on the bench, it is skewed in a very specific Mm -hmm. way where it's just like we actually don't have a lot of size. On the bench, the only guy that has any size on the bench is it plays.
1: plays into it plays into a lot of the worst instincts, right? It's like, well, we don't have much to go to, so
2: we got to go small. I disagree, but yeah, how do you manage the substitution pattern in order to keep the requisite amount of size on the court at all times with the balance of players that exist on the bench versus the players who are in the game?
3: yeah,. I- <laughs> I think that Spencer Dinwiddie coming uh, and getting him for free without having to give anything up was a no-brainer decision. That's great. But looking at the personnel and who's out there, the Lakers were starting to finally turn things around in playing to the way that they played last season uh, by playing bigger. And then you bring Dinwiddie in, and to me, you don't have to play him the same requisite number of minutes just because he's new to the team and he has a lot of skills, unless You're going to take away some of the minutes from a like-minded player, which in this case, for me, would be Torian Prince. And it's right back to that, what what I said to start this podcast. It's not, you don't have to play Prince and Dinwiddie big minutes when your starting guards are Austin Reeves and Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Russell. That is too many small players that don't rebound and aren't that physical. It, Mm -hmm. It just is. You can play three of those guys to me. And the rest of those minutes are filled by bigger, more physical players that fit the team's need. It's not complicated. And just because of whatever a guy's stats or his previous career doesn't matter. What is the best way to win the games now with what the personnel is? And I don't think you can play all those guys.
1: I'm right there with you on that. And to your question, D, about the substitution pattern is I think that Rui coming out earlier um, and then coming back in toward the end of that quarter at the end of the first quarter is a great place to get him more minutes. And the LeBron-Rui-Jackson combo has been very good. I also think that if you're going to reincorporate Cam, the LeBron groups rather than the AD groups are the right place to do that. Um, And so Rui coming out a little earlier so he can come back in as well is one of the things. But I'm also with Mike in terms of, it's more about that overall five that you put out there. And to get there. To get to those bigger groups, you got to take one of the bigger guys out earlier. And I think that's how you get there.
2: Yeah, see, for me, it's tricky because one of LeBron or Rui should probably be on the court for most of the game. Yes. And the current substitution pattern takes them both out around the same time. And you have them going back in the game at the same time in the kind of like what you were discussing, right? Because LeBron is going to take a first quarter break. Let me ask you this.
1: Can Jackson and AD play together? Yes. Well, there it is. If you need that requisite amount of size, the the guy who can really help us out most in terms of perimeter defense is Anthony Davis. And it's something that by not having a too big look, we haven't been able to access that really ever. But you saw that possession where he was ISO'd on KD. And it's like, if you just free him up with another large person on the court, he can wreck shop in a whole bunch of different ways.
3: And the great news about Jackson Hayes is that he too can switch out onto the perimeter and stick with guards and then ad can stay and clean up the glass one of the two of them can do it there was nobody to do it the lakers beat the suns earlier in the season in part because christian wood guarded kevin Mm -hmm. durant and then cleaned up the defensive glass and in this case it was like it was prince or dinwiddie that was out there and they had no shot
2: let's go to break here i want to suss some of this stuff out a little bit more and i do want to talk a little bit more about the clippers
3: game mother's day is around the corner
2: I think Hay should be the wraparound player. And I think, I actually think Rui should be playing an extended stretch. Okay, I could see that too, actually. Yeah. And I could see LeBron going to the bench earlier. So to Mike's point, LeBron is the guy. It's like, oh, 37 minutes for LeBron, 39 minutes for LeBron. No, thank you. 42 for AD is too many as well, but... I prefer LeBron to be in the 33 to 35 men range. That means two things. A, playing more size for longer with the younger players who actually have motor and can play, and then playing the skill guys a little bit more together, which is why I'm supporting the Dinwiddie idea with you, Pete, in terms of a dribble pass shoot shot creator. In an ideal world to me, one of or two of LeBron, AD, Rui, and Hayes should be on the court at like all times. And it's almost like two of Dinwiddie or Austin or D'Lo should be on the court for every single second that LeBron does not play. If you're using certain guides as like Do we have the requisite amount of X on the court at all times? You are getting closer to the optimal rotation build because then you just fill in the gaps with whatever else is needed around those sort of pillar ideas. I would extend Rui's shift into the eight or nine minute mark. And when Rui goes out, that's when I would bring in Hayes and I would play him next to AD to close the quarter. And then I would wrap Hayes Mm -hmm. around so that when LeBron comes back in, he is with LeBron and then Rui can start the second quarter as well after playing that longer shift and getting some rest. I'm looking to sort of build out my front court in a way where I'm optimizing the amount of size and motor and rebounding that's on the court. And LeBron is the wild card here because he can do everything.
1: So where does Max and Prince fit into this, right? So I was talking about – you are talking about Rui playing a longer shift earlier and LeBron going out, which I totally think is a viable look. And that Rui-AD pair after LeBron goes out, those lineups have been generally pretty good. But Max to me is sort of a pivot player in – I do understand the, we have to have a certain amount of perimeter defense. We have to be able to knock down threes on catch and shoot situations. And so Max, to me, is a guy that is younger and not as experienced. He's going to get a rebound, though, as opposed to Prince, right? Prince knows what he's doing, but like, how do you view that particular spot, right? Because when if you need to run that shift that you were just talking about, D, you do need to take LeBron out earlier or Rui out earlier. And so... Where does like Max and Prince fit into that whole build?
2: I think it's fair to wonder if Max and Prince are really in direct competition for minutes against Mm -hmm. each other because they are... Let's let's throw uh, Cam into this too. Sure. Well, let's start with Max and Prince because Cam's been out of the mix for long enough where I really want to dive into this idea first. Prince is a better overall player than Max Christie. He's more experienced. He has more understanding. If Max were two years older or had two more years of experience, I feel... Mm -hmm pretty confident that that would no longer be true, but Prince does more things better than Max. The thing I would say is, is that the things that Max does better, which is point of attack defense, particularly against smaller players, and defensive rebounding, those are two things that when you look at the lineup construction are often lacking within what the Lakers' needs are. And so... If you give me enough time to sit here and talk to you about it, which isn't going to be this (laughs) podcast, I'm pretty sure I could make an argument, Mike, that if given both options, you could totally replace Torian Prince in the rotation with Max Christie and come out at least net neutral, if not a net positive, when you're talking about the number of lineups that work with this guy in them instead of that other guy and This is under the assumption that you're scaling back Prince's minutes enough to account for the potential of Cam Reddish playing a role. And also those three guards of Austin, Dinwiddie, and D'Lo playing their requisite minutes with Dinwiddie's minutes coming down from the 25-minute range to maybe around 20. And Austin and D'Lo being closer to the 32-minute range idea than the 35 to 39 minute idea and, and so i just think the physicality that max can play with particularly against smaller yeah, like, guards it, it, as the a defensive physicality player can
1: flip against him if he's on too big yeah you're talking about smaller guys for sure
2: yeah like this is where i think though the lakers need the most help yes it's guarding smaller dudes because you can ask delo to guard a bigger dude You can even ask Austin to guard a bigger dude, and those guys are gonna fight as much as Torian Prince is going to fight. Right? Like, I'm sorry, Kevin Durant shoots over the top of Austin Reeves in the same way he shoots over the top of Torian Prince. Like, he may make the too little sign towards Austin Reeves or be totally incredulous about the fact that they had Austin Reeves on him, which as a sidebar is totally funny to me. I feel like every time Kevin Durant scores over Austin Reeves, he's like looking in the Lakers bench general vicinity (laughs) and sort of being like (laughs) disrespect. I get it, but it's just funny to me. But Mike, where do you see Prince, Max, and and then to to Pete's point, even Cam. Like, if you want to talk about him
3: as another variable with this, well, it's it's just the same point I've <laughs> been making all. Yeah, all let's, talk, let's talk. Let's Making all season. Let's talk the Clipper game. It well here, I'll I'll filter it into the Clipper game. But it's I also think though that we we can talk about what is idealized about this, yeah. but what we have yeah. seen is is this is not going to happen. But, right? <laughs> what we have seen is that Prince is going to get a certain number of minutes, and so what what's going to happen around that and to me the equation that the equation that shifted in this is the is the entry of dinwiddie um who again has played pretty well other than not shot the ball well but that's just another small guard option instead of almost being forced into playing some of the the bigger groups but i don't think that's going to change um it's something i think that i i'm curious to kind of ask some questions about um as we get some larger sample sizes but heading into the clipper game pete You know, Paul George being out, of course, makes a big difference, but they have filled in generally with uh, Norman Powell in the starting lineup. And, you know, he is still a very, very strong offensive player. It makes their bench rotation a little bit weaker, where I'm always curious about the Clippers is if Anthony Davis ups his play to that full level that he has for much of the season, they can't go small against that. And they have to play, they have to try and play bigger. And that's when LeBron can try to pull Zubots out and it, and, or whoever it is, if it's Plumlee that's in, if it's Daniel Tice that's in, uh, this is to me, the Clippers problem in any eventual playoff series is that their biggest group has some limitations and their smallest group has some limitations. If the, the opposing team has a Jokic or an AD or, you know, you know somebody else in the Western Conference, uh, that can take advantage of that. So that I see that matchup being the same in this case, but. The second unit is where I start to worry when they have a Tyson and a Westbrook and the, and the Lakers are in that smaller group with Dinwiddie and Prince. And that, that would be my focus on tonight as to how they win those minutes uh, when they aren't bigger with AD on the court.
1: That, to me, is the part of the game where Cam becomes helpful. Uh, he played very well against the Clippers in a game that we lost where he got hurt. Uh, he was one of the bright spots in that game. And I think that you're spot on, for one, with your evaluation of where the Clippers can get attacked. I think they're very good. I think they've got a a good chance, but they're in a dip right now. Um, They're near the bottom of the league over the last eight games or so on the defensive end. I think that, you know, they played very well and very hard for a while. And I think they've established themselves atop the, the Western conference. And they're in kind of a dip that Mike, you texted us something the other day where it was like, we could start benefiting from a, we need this game more than the other team type of uh, environment. And tonight's game strikes me as that. Um, And so I see the Clippers, especially in this type of spot, as being vulnerable to guys who run, guys who can just haul ass up the court. Rui, run your ass off. Jackson, same thing. Cam, and that you can get some free buckets in these type of uh, games. But I think that that is where what you were talking about, Mike, about AD having an advantage and that, that he becomes a very key factor within that. If AD is running the floor and really wanting to beat them in that way, I think that that really is the
2: key to the game for me to, to, tonight. This is where I really hope the Lakers play a two big lineup and I hope they play it against the Clippers bench units. And I hope that they say AD Jackson Hayes, go out there and play. And in the lineups against Russ, like one of you is on Russ. There you go. This is where Mike, I think that AD needs support and this is going to sound weird. And I don't even know how this is going to sound in just in terms of like, maybe it makes AD seem like fragile in some way mentally. But I honestly think that he looks at these dudes like Zubots and to a certain extent, Jokic and Nurkic and Valentunis and all of these dudes who basically just want to put him in the trash compactor and are just like, bonus. we're yep. going to steamroll mm-hmm. you like and we're just going to like shoulder you in the chest. And we're going to like body you on drives and maybe you'll get the call, but maybe you won't because you don't even get the same whistle that Victor Wembenyama gets? Anyways, I think AD mentally needs the support of like, hey, we're actually trying to support you here with like the types of guys that you want on the floor with you and not make it so that you're the only guy carrying the couch, and yes. Pete has and said, has always so, said so this, like,
1: always, And he always says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for my team to win, but it sure would be nice if somebody could help me with these type of... So it's like, it's the player preference too?
3: That's a major driver of my kind of my point all along these last couple of years is that I've heard AD say yeah. that so many times like, that I'm convinced that he means it. Yes. Listen to your stars. Quick, the quick note to the quick note to both of you to like, the way to break those second units for the Clippers is to do what you just suggested and guard Russ with a big, because that, that Pujets has worked Jackson against has Russ him. going back to yeah. when the team started to do it against the like, exactly. And then not only are you big, then Russ can't drive. He can't get downhill. um, And he either has to shoot or the offense gets stalled. Or you they go into ISO somewhere else and then you can run on them in the other way. It's just, it's a, I've seen so many teams do it against the Clippers. They used to do it against the Lakers. Uh, and like, this is the way, mm-hmm. um, to deal with Russ. And if you let him just go at any one of the Laker guards, if, it, or the, if it's Prince or if it's even to an extent, Christy, yeah, although I think he'd do the mm-hmm. best. Uh, But Reeves or D'Lo or he's just going to he's just going to pull him right into the basket area um, and then flex and get, you know, get the the team going like that's that's not what you got to do.
1: Absolutely. And the the modern counter to a we're just going to sag way off of you is to flow that into a handoff into a shooter of which they have many, although PG is one of the best guys at that and he's not going to play. But a fun stat that I just just I'm almost done with a, a Hayes video. He is the NBA league leader in contested threes per minute. So he's contesting about five three-pointers per 36 minutes. So he's a guy with his athletic gifts. If you are going to sag way off of Russ, and then all of a sudden it's Norm Powell who can totally hit that shot coming off of that, Hayes can cover that ground. That's like how you use a guy's elite athleticism. It's like, can Hayes get from here to there very quickly and bother a shot? Hell yeah, he can. So this is how it all kind of ties together, you know?
3: That's a great stat. Can you send that to I, me? For sure. <laughs> you'll see that on the TV broadcast tonight, Curse <laughs> good.
2: I was just looking at the Lakers roster and their height and weight measurements, which are the official NBA ones. Spencer Dinwiddie is listed at 6'5", 215. And Torian Prince is listed at 6'6", 218. There is literally no difference between those two dudes in terms of a size and physicality standpoint. And so to beat the dead horse one last time before we log off here, the idea of all of these guys should play and they they should all have their distinct roles. I don't think that that's true. I think these guys should start to cannibalize each other's minutes a little bit more in order to open up some minutes for Max Christie, in order to allow Jackson Hayes to play in two big lineups, in order to maybe facilitate Cam Reddish, get back into the rotation a little bit. And I think that that should start tonight against the Clippers because they will play Mm -hmm. wings, Pete, and it will be easy for the coaches to say, let's play all of our wings against their wings. But I think it would be a mistake. Well, because
1: their wings are a lot better than ours. So got to find a different route to it. So let's get some rebounds tonight. Uh, we will be back tomorrow to discuss. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
0: Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn
2: double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Kips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it.
3: Magic fires. It's good. Yeah, and the Lakers win the
2: game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left.
3: Back next one to the winner. It. It's on the way. No! Toby Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Back with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker
0: fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me?
3: Kobe, hard to believe. Are you
0: kidding me? Unreal!
3: Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasson. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's
0: the, the move. Score. Two scores. Pissing. Bryant. victory. It's over. And shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tap to Albert Gentry. And